Welcome back to episode number 248 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are talking about dust collection considerations for metal dust. And this is a help desk question that came in through our help desk system. So to give a short summary of the ticket that came in, this was a consultant working with a company that had a piece of equipment that was handling aluminum powders. They did screening on the aluminum powders and the test came back negative from the testing lab. However, they had an explosion in that system. That's not clear. It sounded like maybe this was sort of an integrated filter, but nonetheless, they had an explosion in this filter system from this sample that came back as negative on a screening test. So the investigation that they did and the work that they did came up with a hypothesis that the sample had oxidized prior to the screening tests and that um, in the actual processing operation, it was not as oxidized as it was as it was shipped to the testing lab. And that's why they got a negative result in their screening tests. The question that came back with us to in the help desk system was on dust collection then for this metal dust and specifically the use of wet dust collection, the requirements from NFPA 44 and how they go about actually making this system safe at the end of the day. And so I want to kick this off with a couple of disclaimers. We have covered metal dust on the podcast before. Back in episode 71, we did a case study of a metal dust explosion in a 3D printing application from 2013. Back in episode 140 of the podcast, so almost two years ago now, we covered metal dust explosion loss history, severity, and practical considerations. We talked about why metal dust is such a challenge to understand and prevent and protect from dust explosions. We talked about considerations around low minimum ignition energies, difficulties with explosion isolation, response to metal dust fires without escalating them into an explosion and safe use of inerting systems. We talked generally around a lot of the difficulties and requirements that come up with metal dust. However, we haven't went through and talked about specific applications for metal dust because generally they're just pretty difficult to tackle and have very subtle nuances that come about depending on the material, on the processing operation, on the temperatures, on the pressures involved, on the explosion protection methods as well. So we don't typically cover applications like this. And a big part of this is the standards are constantly evolving. If you want somebody to look at your system and explain combustible metal dust hazards, or even if you're a consultant and you're not experienced in this area, you should really be talking with someone who knows the NFPA 484 standards for combustible dust the previous versions, the current versions, why it's changed um, over time, and are able to explain where that's happening in terms of combustible dust safety. As the time of this recording, we are on NFPA 44 version 2022. The previous standards, it's been quite a bit of changes with things like additive manufacturing, things like other processing of combustible metal dust. So this is a really a complex area and takes a special qualified person who has experience to make decisions on safety in this area. We do have several companies in dust safety professionals that work solely in this area, or at least have done hundreds of hazard assessments and risk analysis, but they are few and far between. There's not that many folks out there that have a lot of experience with metal dust. So don't hesitate to reach out. We can connect you through with them. And given this kind of complexity of the topic, this podcast episode is not engineering advice. Do not take anything and, and actually use it, but it gives you maybe some pointers. You can talk to a consultant that experiences this area somebody knows about combustible metal dust, start asking them questions about this. I'm just going to give some of the main points that we covered in the response back to this help desk ticket. And yes, we did say in help desk tickets, not engineering advice as well, and recommended they connect with uh, people that are really experienced in this area. 
So a couple of things that came up during this answering of this question around dust collection for metal dust. Question number one was, what does NFPA 484 say about metal dust with a KST greater than 150 bar meter per second? Question number two was, what does NFPA 484 say about wet dust collection? And question number three is, what do the community say about wet dust collection for aluminum powders? So I actually reached out on LinkedIn and got some feedback from folks that have experienced this area as well. So tackling this first question of what does NFPA 484 say about metal dust with a KST greater than 150 bar meter per second? In particular, in the dust collection section, 13.2.4.4, which is for dry type air material separators, it does state that dry filter media air material separators shall not be used for metal dust collecting in air with a KST greater than 150 bar meter per second or for niobium, tantalium, titanium, zirconium, hafium, unless this use is supported by dust hazard analysis that is acceptable to the HJ. And it does say in the appendix information, so the non-compulsory information, that historical data shows that explosion protection, isolation, and venting can be difficult for many combustible metals with KSTs greater than one bar, 150 bar meter a second. It does say that some equipment has demonstrated the ability to protect in these situations, but it's largely dependent on the properties of the dust and process under investigation. And for these reasons, it's really important to understand the materials that are in the process the process itself, the temperature, pressure conditions, and the explosion protection system is how that's all going to play together. That just really, again, comes into the requirements for someone with a lot of experience in this area to be making these judgments to do a performance-based assessment if dry material dust collection needs to be used at the end of the day. On the flip side, and let's talk about wet dust collection, what does NFPA 44 say about wet dust collection? This comes with its own host of hazards. Now, I've actually seen um, cases in incidents where a site had an explosion in a piece of equipment, they installed a protection method, and then they moved the explosion, now happened the next piece of equipment down, say they added a nerding, and then once it was not inerted, then they had explosion further on the process. So they fixed that, they added wet dust collection, but then they wanted the, the metal powder back. So when they put the screening process in place to dry that material, they had an explosion in the screens. And so they kind of moved the explosion around the processing operation. So it takes a really again, qualified individual who has a lot of experience in the area to come up with a basis of safety in these processing operations. So the second question is around, well, what does NFPA 44 say about wet dust collection? So under section 13.2.4.5, which is the white wet type air material separator requirements, has lots of requirements around return air, signage, disposal of affluent, uh, operational safeguards, and, and many more. That's not an exhaustive list. They do say specifically around the generation of hydrogen being a concern. So it says that a wet type AMS, air material separator, shall be designed so the hydrogen generated from the metal contacting the water is vented at all times. It says that hydrogen shall be permitted to be vented indoors where the DHA documents that this is acceptable and considers the effect of hydrogen building buildup within the building. And it does go on to give additional requirements for non-water-based wet material air separators air material separators. And in the appendix, appendix 13.2.4.5.10, says the reaction of most combustible metals with water produces hydrogen, which is highly flammable. Says most wetted combustible metal dust that is not submerged under a cover of water are highly flammable and very dangerous. When you have this affluent that comes out of the system when it's no longer submerged and when it's drying, that can be a hazard as well, as, long, as well as hydrogen buildup during the collection, the wet dust collection, the combustible metals. 
And if I recall correctly, back in episode 71 of the podcast in the 3D printing metal dust explosion, they had both challenges with a nerding of that powder bed, but also with a wet dust collection. I think they had a, maybe a wet dust back that may have had some hydrogen buildup. But I have to go back to the episode and actually review that to make sure that's the case. It was, um, it was almost four years ago since we recorded that episode. So coming into question number three then. So we talked a bit around the requirements for dry dust collection and KST greater than 150, the requirements for wet dust collection 44. We took some of these notes through to the community and did a post on LinkedIn, which we'll share in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 248 for this episode. Um, you can go there and check out this LinkedIn post, leave your own feedback and comments there about what the best approaches might be or alternative approaches might be for wet dust collection with aluminum to avoid hydrogen buildup. So one option is to vent the hydrogen that may accumulate. And so there's a, a way to design this system to be able to do that. Keeping in mind things like venting the hydrogen indoors and other challenges that can come with that as well. The other side of the coin, try to get rid of the hydrogen, there was recommendations around using mineral oil, recommendations around using other types of oils. There's some discussion about adding additives to the water. For example, hydrosol was mentioned, uh, L-maltic acid was mentioned, as things that can be added to the water to reduce the buildup of hydrogen from the reaction with the, the metals. There was a note that if you are using oil, I think this is from Eric Portorsky, from DustSafe USA, if you are using oil, you need to consider that you have the correct velocities at your pickup points. Oil being more viscous than water has a tendency to clog traditional internal dispersion screens and demisting pads. This will create additional friction loss and may reduce the flow and pressure of the collector and then may reduce your velocity at your pickup points. We had another note that's best to get a compatibility report for all sealants and gaskets used in the production of the wet collector being used. And it's also best practice to size the demisting pad and dispersion screens properly for the liquids being used. And then there's some other discussion around using mineral oils, sh shingle oil with combustible metals to try to avoid the chance of hydrogen buildup as well. So again, you can go check out in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash episode or slash uh, 248 for this episode. We'll have a link to that post on LinkedIn. It's probably still getting comments by the time that this episode comes out. And you certainly go to that episode go to that post and leave your comments as well. So that is it for this quicker episode on this help desk question around considerations for metal dust collection. Again, this came in from a help desk ticket from a site, actually a consultant that was working at a site that had a aluminum powder. They had an incident in one of their filters and they were asking, well, how do we go about actually protecting this system? Do we use wet dust collection? What are the options here? So we went through three questions. What does NFPA 484 say about metal dust KST greater than 150 barometer a second. What does NFPA say about wet dust collection in general? And what did the community say about dust collection for aluminum powders and what some of the other alternatives are to try to avoid hydrogen buildup with these type of materials as well? So that's it for this episode. Again, this is not engineering advice. I just reporting on some of these things that our team looked into when this test question came in. Metal dust, if you haven't got it by now, are pretty complex beasts, are pretty novel, and especially they're being used in many different ways. You may have nanomaterials, you may have mixtures. Uh, lots of different aspects come up, and the standards are constantly being rewritten to reflect the hazards of the day. So if you're looking for somebody to help you in this area, you really want to get somebody that's been involved with NFPA 484, both today's version and previous versions, so they can tell you why the changes are the way they are and some of the history and background there, and have a lot of experience in understanding and addressing these type of hazards. 
Again, we have several of these companies in Dust Safety Professionals. You can always reach out to myself at chris at dustsafetyscience.com. If you want to chat to one of those and they can help you out there. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a safe, productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing in the industry's handling combustible dust with the work that you're doing out there every day. Keep it up.